Let's go ahead. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you this morning, uh, Lord, that we had the opportunity, Lord, to, to sing songs uh, and help put words to the way that we feel our gratefulness towards you on what you have done for us by sending your son, Lord, to, to die for our sins, Lord, that we can bring our addictions, we can bring our failures to you, Lord, and, and know that you have cleansed us from those things. Uh, Father, this is a, a, a weekend, Lord, where we're, we're remembering something that happened great in our nation, Lord, unfortunately, and I know that there's a lot of hurt uh, 20 years ago when our nation was attacked. And uh, Lord, I know some of us uh, ourselves have been downrange and have been affected by it. Lord, there's some families uh, who have loved ones and maybe they haven't come back uh, because of everything that has happened, Lord. So I know that uh, during this weekend, Lord, it is a time that we are remembering something uh, big that has impacted us, uh, Lord. But on top of that, Father, some of us might have questions and wondering, where were you at during this whole time? Lord, and all we need to do is remember that you were at the same place that you were at when your son was on the cross taking our sins away. And so, Lord, thank you for lifting that burden off of us. And Father, I pray that as we're here together this morning, Lord, that you would be with us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to, to navigate through this, Lord. I pray that you would help me to, to communicate effectively so that we can understand your truths on what Paul was writing to the Corinthian church at the time. Lord, and that we can leave here. I know our, our biggest prayer is that we would leave differently than what we came, but Father, please let that be so. We want to impact people because they need you. This world is hurting, and the answer is you. So God, help us to, to pay attention, to focus. We pray for the kids that are getting taught next door as well, Lord, that you would be with them and be with the teachers. Uh, Lord, and help this be a time of worship and worship to you only. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. All right, guys, so 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The book of 1 Corinthians is, is awesome. And this section that we're going to be covering is on the heels of some things that Paul was writing to the church. Paul is addressing the first century church, and at this point right now, he's answering some of the questions that they have. If you guys turn a few pages back to chapter 7, you will see that Paul, in chapter 7, verse 1, he says, Now, concerning the things of which you wrote, and that's where he's coming down the line and what he's going to be talking to them about. So he, he talks in this section, he talks about, about sex. The Corinthian church was wondering and had some questions, because you got to remember, they were saved, and there was... Sexual immorality was commonplace for them. And so they had some questions about that. How are we supposed to do certain things now? And then if you go a little bit further down, he addresses marriage. And then a little bit further than that, he addresses singleness. And then in chapter 8, again, he says, chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Now concerning the things offered to idols. Remember, so they got saved, and they're still in this culture where they were used to offering things up to idols. They were living a certain way, and they're asking, how, how do you navigate? They had some questions. Just like we have some questions today. I guarantee you that some of us would wish Paul would write us a letter and be like, no, concerning the vaccine, right? And, and I know I opened up a can of worms. You're welcome, okay? And moving on. So anyways, <laughs> so, so, he, so he addresses some things in that manner. And so right here, Paul in chapter 9 um, is talking about how, look, just because you have this knowledge, because he addresses some, some issues and he's like, look, it's not all about knowledge. Because a lot of us like, well, we know certain things and we know that we're allowed to do things because they don't, like he addresses the thing with idols. We know there's no such thing as idols. These gods that we were worshiping really don't have any power. So if we eat this meat or whatever, it's not a big deal. And he's like, yes, although knowledge is important, you're not going to be graded on knowledge. You're going to be graded on your love for one another. In the Corinthian church, and hey, guess what? Especially for us, being in America, 
we have a hard time giving up our freedoms so that we wouldn't stumble other people. And he's telling them, look, I give up my freedoms. I give up my liberty. And in chapter 9, he talks about that. He talks about how he gives up his liberty on, um, on doing certain things. He talks about how he gives up his liberty. He says, when I was with the Jews, I was like the Jews. And when I was with the Gentiles, I did things like the Gentiles. Not that he indulged in sin, but think about it. If he was with the Jews, guess what? He wasn't eating bacon. He wasn't eating, you know, double cheeseburgers or any of that stuff. And then when he was with the Gentiles, he's like, hey, I'm going to get down on some bacon and eggs and some double, bacon double cheeseburgers, the Baconator, right? So he's like, hey, when I was with them, I, was, I did all things in order to bring them to Christ, and he says, that's how we're to be also. So we need to make sure that, hey, just because we know certain things, we need to be mindful of our actions of how they affect other people. Just because you're strong, there's other people that are weak. And we need to be mindful of that. So here we go. In, in, chapter, or in chapter 9, verse 24, he's going to start bringing these things in. Now, I want us to think about something. Is the Christian life, if you were to ask your coworkers or your non-believing friends, if they thought that the Christian life was about rules and regulations, or if they thought it was about freedom, what do you think they would think? Rules and regulations, right? Now, if I ask a room full of believers, is the Christian life about rules and regulations and commandments, or if it's about freedom, what are we going to say? Freedom. About freedom, right? Sometimes it's funny, because sometimes you ask believers and they're like, but Jesus says to teach all that I have commanded, like, isn't it both? Like, you know, and they start looking at you like that, you remember that commercial where it's like, yes, we have no bananas, right? <laughs> and like, and it's, but here's the thing, it's, it's actually both, okay? Because uh, one of the things that, that my brother, Pastor Ryan, says is like, hey, God's sovereignty in our will, right, goes hand in hand. It's like a bicycle. It's like two pedals on a bike, okay? And they work together. And that's what Paul's addressing here. So let's, let's read this section right here. Verse 24, he says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But one receives a prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we, for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. He's making them aware of something that they were very familiar with. And I love the Bible. If you really just take time and, and read it, he's very practical in what he's saying. Just like they had the, the games, right? In, Corinthian, in Corinth, they had the Ishmian games. It, so the Olympics were every four years, and the Ishmian games were every two years. And only Greek citizens com could compete in these games. And he's like, be mindful of the athletes. The athletes that compete, listen, do they not lead disciplined lives, right? During the time they, they have a strict schedule on their sleep and when they wake up, on their training, on their diet, all those things. And they do it so that they won't be disqualified. I have twin boys, and both of them are in jujitsu. And when I sign them up for a tournament, I got to put them in a weight class, right? And depending on how long the tournament is, I'm like, looking at their weight, like, what do you guys want to, what do you guys want to compete in? Because for me, this is me personally, I don't have my boys cut weight. It's either like, you got to maintain, or if you want the freedom, then I'll just put you in a, in a higher weight class. That's cool, right? So that way, when they, get to the, when they get to the competition, if they weigh in, and they weigh in a pound over their, their, their class, guess what happens? They become disqualified. Now, because they're my kids, 
because they're disqualified, that doesn't mean that they're out of my family. It might mean they're going to have to pay me for the registration fee, right? <laughs> but, but they're not disqualified out of my family. And just like the Greeks here, the Greeks played in these games, they competed, and it didn't mean that they were no longer Greeks. It just meant that they were disqualified from the service that they were trying to do. They could no longer compete, and they could no longer compete in order to win a prize. And some of us in here are living compromised lives, and we are disqualified in our walk because we choose to, to live a life of compromise. We choose to indulge things because we have this freedom. We just want to live however, but it keeps you from being able to be a true witness to other people. Why? Because they know what you, they know how you talk, they know the stuff that you watch, they know how your family is, and you trying to preach the gospel to them makes you disqualified from really truly preaching the gospel and showing what it looks like to be a believer. Not that your salvation is gone, but maybe you got to get things together. So we don't want to live our life in such a way that we're abusing God's freedom. So it's important. In this section, he's talking about having that disciplined life. There are disciplines that we need to do. Discipline, having discipline in our life allows us to understand our weaknesses and our strengths. And so we capitalize on our strengths and we work on our weaknesses. Now, in the next section he's going to go into, he's going to talk about the consequences. So he's, he's talking to the Corinthians and then he's going to give them a picture of the Israelites. And he's trying to give them this comparison. So in chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren... Now, Pastor Pat always says, hey, when you see therefore, you've got to ask yourself what the therefore is therefore. So when he says moreover, what is the more, moreover what? Moreover this whole topic that I've been discussing with you. Moreover, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware that, listen, pay attention to this, that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in, this, and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, and, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. He's trying to give them this illustration of, look, all of them were blessed by God. All of them had these things. All of them. Remember, he, they crossed through the, the Red Sea with Moses. So they were baptized into Moses. He's giving them the illustration like, hey, they went through the sea and came out of it, just like we go into the waters of baptism and come out in Christ. They all ate the same spiritual food. Do we not eat spiritual food when we gather together and we had the Lord's Holy Communion? It's, yeah, guess what? It's just grape juice and a piece of bread, but it's spiritual. It unites us. It, it, it brings us together. And just like the children of Israel had manna to eat that God was providing for them, it wasn't just food to sustain them. It was also to sustain them to know that Christ was with them, that God was with them and providing for them so that they could focus on him. They could walk in obedience to him. He talks about this pillar of cloud that they had. For those of you that were downrange, Afghanistan or Iraq, could you imagine if the whole time you were over there, you had this pillar of cloud that gave you shade the entire time? How awesome would that have been? You'd be like, look at God's goodness. You question it, it's like, oh, it's right there. Okay, God's with me. Guys, we look to the cross. We focus on that. We focus on what God has done. But listen to what he says. He says, but most of them, God was not well pleased with them. I think that's a... <laughs> 
that's a bit of an exaggeration. He says most of them. There was only two guys that were 20 years and older that actually got to go into the promised land. Moses didn't even get to go into the promised land. Why? Because he was disqualified. So he says, hey, just because, just because you're blessed by God doesn't mean that gives you the opportunity to have it as a license to sin. We have to have discipline so that we can be obedient to what it is that God wants for us. He's going to continue on and he's going to talk about the abuses that they had, the abuse of liberty that, 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 they, that they partook in. It says, verse 6, Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and rose up to play. So let's think about that. They lusted after evil things. So let's kind of define evil for a second. What is, what is evil? When, when, I, when I talk to the kids and try to have them think about this, right, because we start thinking of evil, they start thinking like skeletons and all these like silly things, right, that yes, they're evil, but let's really look at what evil is. And I give them the illustration of light. Okay, what is light? Okay, God is light. We have light in here. If we wanted there to be darkness in here, what would we do? We would turn off the light. So anything evil is anything that is outside of God's goodness. Anything that is other than God. And so let's think about an Old Testament example that he was maybe talking about here. Because it says that they rose up to play, drink, eat, right? All this other stuff. Let's think of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, going, right, going through the Red Sea, coming across, and then God has them and he starts talking to them. And he says, you are going to be my people, I am going to be your God. And he gives them the Ten Commandments right there. And the people are like freaking out. They're like, we can't handle God's thunderous voice. Moses, you go speak to God and we will do whatever it is that he commands. And so Moses goes up the mountain and goes and meets with God. That's where God gives him the Ten Commandments on the tablet. And the children of Israel do what? They lose their dog on mines, right? Forty days. Forty days they spend without Moses and they're like, Aaron, Make it something that we can worship. Because here's the thing. Although God took them out of Egypt, God was trying to get Egypt out of them. And so, he's, guess what they went to? They went back to what they were used to. They were used to being in Egypt and having these wild parties and this crazy worship, right? Israel gone wild and stuff. And so, they're, they're, in, they're, they're in the desert and they're like, Aaron, make us a calf. So, Aaron's like, all right, give me your gold. Give me your jewelry. He gets their gold and the jewelry, and he puts it in the fire and fashions this gold calf. And then they start worshiping, drinking, and eating. And guess what? They start, having, they start indulging in sexual immorality. And God tells Moses, Moses, you better get down there. You better go handle this. Moses was walking with the tablets, right? Running down the mountain. He sees what's going on. He gets the tablets, and he breaks them. Right? Moses, the first person in history to break all Ten Commandments at one time. Right? He, break, he breaks the Ten Commandments. And then he's like, Aaron, what are you doing? He's like, you wouldn't believe it. They were revolting. They were like pressuring me to do this. And I said, just give me your, your, your gold, your jewelry. I threw it in the fire and like out came this gold cafe. We're like, holy cow, look at that. Right? And, I know it takes a little. Look, I read, I teach children, okay? So like I have to put it on their level. I read the Bible. I'm like, man, this is hilarious. So, so think about, but here's the thing. Moses then had to take action. He had to throw that gold calf in the fire. And with the powder, he put it in the water and made the children of Israel drink it. And then he told them, hey, 
Those of you that want to be on that side, stay there. Those of you that want to be on God's side, come over here. And then it says that 3,000 people died that day. Why? Because they didn't discipline themselves. Hey, God, you gave us all this stuff. I'm just going to take, it, I'm taking, take advantage of your, of your kindness. He goes on to give us another illustration, or give them an illustration, in verse 8. It says, Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. That's the story that is found in Numbers 25, right? I think it's like 24 and 25, where Balak goes to Balaam wanting to curse the children of Israel. He goes to Balaam. Balaam's like, hey, let me talk to God and see if it's okay. And God's like, nope, you're not going to do it. And Balaam wanted the money that Balak was going to offer him. And finally, God's like, go do whatever you want. And so Balaam goes, rides on his donkey, and is riding. And then the donkey sees this angel with this sword drawn. And this like, donkey's like trying to turn away from it. And Balaam starts beating the donkey. And the donkey starts talking to Balaam. Like, dude, why are you beating me for? Like, I've been good to you. Right? And still, he continues on and wants, he wanted, he was lusting after something evil. And so Balaam goes to this mountain and he tries to curse the children of Israel and he can't do it. The words do not come out of his mouth. And Balaam's are you serious? Here, let me take you over here. So he goes over to another place and is trying to curse, and this happens a couple times and he's not able to curse them. So Balaam tells Balak this. He says, look, if you really want to trip the people up, you really want to do something, what you need to do is you need to get your women to seduce their men, and they will partake in worshiping idols and in worshiping the gods that you serve, and it is going to completely mess up their whole community. And it says that, that that's exactly what ended up happening, that the Israelite men, and you can read it in, in Numbers 25, it says that the Israelite men ended up having relations, sexual relations with these women, these mobile women. They were bringing them into their community, and then it says that there was a plague, and in, and in that day, guess what? Moses, again, had to get his men and be like, look, we need to clear this out of our community. We cannot have this a part of us. And it says that 23,000 men died that day. He goes on to say in verse 9, Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents, nor complain, as some of them also complained. So the first one, nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them did, that could be found in Numbers 21, and I'll read it real fast. In Numbers 21, verse 5, it says, And the people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food, no water, and our souls loathe, loathe this worthless bread. God is not supposed to be serving us. For us as Christians, God already served us by sending his son on the cross to die for us. We are supposed to be serving him. And the Israelites weren't happy. We want more. Give us more. He spoke out against Moses. He spoke out against God. And God's like, you're not happy. What are you talking about? They're like, we're done with this bread, this manna that you gave us. Right? It's manna for breakfast, manna for dinner, manna for lunch. Right? They sounded like, like Bubba Gump. Shrimp stew, shrimp potatoes, shrimp... You know what I mean? How much manna can we have? Manana pancakes, manana waffles, manana bread. And God's like, oh, you, you're not happy with that? Well, guess what you're really not going to be happy with? You're not going to be happy with these snakes that are going to be biting you. And so he sent snakes to bite the people. And they're going crazy. And he tells Moses, Moses, you need to fashion a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And the people that want healing need to go 
to that and look at it, and they will be healed. Do you know how ridiculous that sounds? No, I don't, I don't need to look at a pole to get healed. I need to go get medical attention. I need a doctor. That's like us today. What do I need to look to the cross? Why do I need to look to Jesus? I got cancer. Why am I going to go to the church and have them pray for me? What is God going to do? God gave me this cancer. People do it today still. And then the next one that he talks about is, is number 16, where he says that they were rebelling and were, they were complaining. They were complaining. That is number 16. That's the story of Korah, where Korah goes to Moses and he gets his little posse because they've been complaining, right? And they got this little group. And he's like, hey, Moses, who died and made you king? We came out of Egypt just like you did. Why do you get to, to be the boss? And Moses is like, look, you take it up with God. Tomorrow, you present yourselves, we'll present ourselves, and we'll see who God chooses. And so Korah and his posse got together, and guess what? God opened up the ground and sucked them in and destroyed them. Does that happen today? Murmuring in the church? Complaining in the church? I hear it. We all hear it. We know. What are some complaints that we have? Okay, well, then I'll tell you some that I can. <laughs> this was your opportunity to complain, right? The music, the worship, it's too loud. Well, guess what? This is your opportunity. He just announced that we have some spots in the sound ministry. You have a problem with it? Go, go participate in it. Go be a part of the sound ministry. Look, you can either be a part of the problem or you can be a part of the solution. Identify the problem and focus on the solution. So be a part of the sound ministry. Oh, the music. Uh, I don't want to play those songs. Hey, guess what? We need a keyboarder. There's another team that needs a drummer. Learn. Well, I don't know how to play. Well, learn. If it's important enough for you to complain because you're so upset about it, then learn the instrument. We're not telling you not to. Do something about it. But it's so much easier to complain. Here's what's going to happen. You guys are going to walk in the parking lot. You're going to see the 11 o'clock crew coming through. And you'll be like, oh, Pastor Pat's not there. He had one of his talking donkeys. And you'll be like, who? <laughs> who? Who? Pastor Jack? No, Pastor Bobby. You know what I mean? <laughs> it happens. It's all right. It's all right. But you can do something about it, guys. Don't. Guys, you cannot fix a problem out there. You bring it here and we'll handle it. So guess what? So that what? You won't be disqualified. Not because we don't want to hear We don't want you to complain. No, hey, guess what? If you see something, hey, guess what? I don't want you to be labeled as a gossip. Honestly, I don't want you to be labeled as a gossip. So handle it so that you won't be disqualified. Moving on. You're welcome. All right, now all these things, verse 11. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands Take heed lest he fall. No temptation has over, overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you will be able to bear it. God's going to give you a way of escape. Hey, listen, we need to overestimate God and underestimate ourselves. When my boys competed in a tournament, Sometimes they can get a little happy because, like, look at all the wins that I've had during, during training. It's like, look, dude, you need to overestimate your opponent and you need to underestimate yourself. Don't go in there thinking that you're going to tap somebody out. Guys, we need to do the same thing. I don't know how I'm going to handle this. I know how I'm going to handle it. I'm just going to grin and bear it and bear down. No, you need to be prayed up. God's going to give us a way of escape. 
This right here is our way of escape. In the Bible is where we're told that we are to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. There's some things that we can do. We can work. So, one, we can be in our word. We can worship, right? One of the songs that we sang was like, you, you part the sea so that I can walk right through it, right? Let's, come on, let's all stand up and start singing that, right? You know what I mean? Like, think of worship. Worship is so awesome because it can put us in that mindset where we're allowing God to work through us and we can focus on his truths. Prayer. But here's the thing with prayer. If you're praying, but you're not reading your Bible, then all, there's only one conversation going to God. And then you're praying, and you're like, well, I just feel like I, I pray and nothing happens. Well, it's probably because you're not praying, you're just complaining. Like, our prayers have to be aligned to what God wants. What's another thing? Fellowship. Being in the church. Being a part of this group. Serving. Do you know that the training for your Christian life doesn't just happen on your own Christian walk, but it happens when you are with other believers? Oh, but I don't like being with people. They're just backbiting, and you should hear all this stuff. Guess what? That same stuff happens out there in the world. And when you handle that stuff here at the church on a level, on a spiritual level, and you have uh, uh, leaders that are helping you through that, guess what? You overcome those things in a godly manner so that way when you're at work and you have those same issues, people are like, man, I can't believe the way you handled that. Why aren't you talking bad about them? Why aren't you doing this? Because you've got your training here. Guys, that's the opportunity that we have. We have the same struggles because we're people, but we're in this together. And that's where we get the training. So Paul addresses some things, and, and here's the neat thing as I was studying this. When Paul's writing to the Corinthians, the whole thing that happened with Israel was 2,000 years removed from them. Isn't that crazy? Because now we're studying this book of Corinthians, and it's 2,000 years removed from us. Isn't that crazy, right? So let's Think of some practical things in our own lives that will help us, right? Where he talks about this thing of lusting, having these evil desires that we lust after. Now, we think of lust and we think of sexual immorality. doesn't necessarily have to be that, but let's take an example of, of a woman. A woman who's married and she's not, not satisfied in her marriage. Oh, my husband doesn't pay me any attention and all this other stuff. I'm just miserable in my marriage. And then what does she do? She wants her husband's attention. Is that a bad thing? No. That's not a bad thing. She wants to feel her husband's love. Is that a bad thing? No. But she's disappointed with what she's not getting, so then where does she go? She goes to her work. And she starts, people can see it all over her face. Oh, my husband this. Oh, my husband that. And some, some young dude's like listening in on this, and he's like, man, I'm sorry you're having a bad day. Like, I, I hope it gets better. And then maybe the next day, old boy, right, gets some Starbucks, and he brings her a Starbucks, and guess what? Now she's getting the attention that she wanted. And now because her desire was really not so much to fix her marriage, but it was just the attention. See, the way of escape would be not complaining at work, but maybe going and seeing some Christian counseling. Maybe talking to a godly woman of like, hey, I'm having this struggle in my marriage. What, what, what can I do? Well, you know what? The Bible tells us, right, a way of escape. Do not fight evil with evil. Right? So going and gossiping and talking bad about your husband would be evil, although what he's doing, hey, guess what? I'm not, hey, that's evil too. He should be paying attention to his wife. But you don't fight it with evil, you fight it with good. So, you know, the Bible also tells us that a gentle answer turns away wrath. So maybe start serving your husband. If you really want his attention, maybe you need to give him attention. Maybe you haven't been giving him attention. Just practical things, right? 
But that's not the case. So here we go. Felipe is, brings her a Starbucks. And now they start this work relationship. And then it turns into, you want to go to lunch? Well, sure. I haven't gotten to lunch in a while. And then who knows, right? That's going to lead down a bad road. And then guess what? They're in a place that they probably should never be at. Now that's, that's one example. Now for the guys. The guy, there's a guy and he wants to, he, he just started at this new company, right? And he wants to move up in the company. He knows he has great potential. He wants to provide for his family. Is there anything wrong with that? No. But he wants to make more money. And he wants to, to rub elbows with the boss so he can get a good position. And a, a work trip comes up. And a couple of guys and the boss are going to go away out of town on business. And the guy's like, man, I really want to do this because I really want to get to uh, know the boss, and this will be an opportunity to get that. Anything wrong with that? No. So they're on this work trip. They're gone a couple days, and then what happens? They're going to go out for a business dinner, and the boss is going to buy everybody food, and guess where they're going to go? Hooters, because they have the best wings, right? <laughs> Apparently. So, so they're going to go, hey, look, and here we go. Allegedly, <laughs> Allegedly right? Listen, listen, what's the way of escape? Hey, you really like their wings? Hey, guys, can you go ahead and bring me back a box? Because I don't want to go over there. It's just not good. Oh, but he wants to make in good with the boss. So he's in this dilemma. Hey, God gives you a way of escape. So he's like, you know what? It's, it's a family restaurant. I can Do not take your family there. But it's a family <laughs> restaurant, right? So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go. So he goes, he goes out to lunch. And guess what? Of course, they're going to buy a round of beers for everybody. Well, the Bible doesn't say I can't drink. It just says I can't get drunk. I'll go ahead and have a beer. Yeah, and the beer's like this big, right? It's one beer, but it's this big. And then what happens? There's nothing good that happens after that. They've been drinking, looking at women all night. Where are they going to go to next? Uh-oh, they're going to go to the strip club, right? And there you go, right? Now he can't go. Here we go. He's been, he's, he's not filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit now. He's filled with other kinds of spirits. And he can't make good decisions, and he doesn't want to make the boss feel incredible. If he doesn't go, guess what? Really? You think you're better than us? He's already compromised. How is he going to turn back? He ends up going, giving in, and goes. and participates and is there. And then guess what? Now he's going to have to answer to his wife. How is he going to navigate that? All because what? He wanted to make in good with the boss. He just wanted to take care of his family. If we have these disciplines in our life and these boundaries, if he would have been like, hey, you know what, guys? I'm not going to go. I have a bedtime. Just, hey, I have a bedtime. I go to bed at a certain time. Or I pray with my kids at night. You guys go ahead and go. Bring me back something to eat. No big deal. If we have these disciplines, it will keep us from being what? Disqualified. But we need to be willing to give up our freedom for that. We got to make sure that we're not abused. Pastor Pat says it all the time, right? The Bible is not a book of rules, right? He says it's a revelation of God. It's also a book of freedom and how we don't abuse those freedoms. God gives us a way of escape, but are we filled with this? Or do we choose to minister to our hearts with something else, right? Like you have a bad day at work, somebody really truly upsets you, and you're like, I'm going to turn on some Lincoln Park and, and handle my stress that way. You know what I mean? Like, think, think about what we're doing and what we're pouring into our lives because this is what he says. He says, 
he continues to say this in, in verse 23. I know we're skipping way ahead, but in verse 23, chapter 10, verse 23, he says this, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Guys, just because you can do it doesn't mean that it's good for you. And then also there's this other part too that he says, he says this in verse 18, same chapter, chapter 10, verse 18. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That an idol is anything or what is offered to idols is anything? Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I don't want you to have fellowship with demons. Verse 21, you cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Guys, what we do physically, what we do in the flesh, is only a symptom of where we are at spiritually. It's just a symptom. And the way that you operate is a symptom of where we are spiritually. And what's he saying here? Yeah, although these things, there aren't these gods, there aren't these idols, they mean nothing. But guess what? There is some spiritual implications behind it, and it's demonic. Think about it. The same phone that you have, that you can download the Bible app, that you can listen to worship music, is the same device that somebody can look at pornography. You can't say and do both. You're not supposed to. And you can't eat at the Lord's table. When we gather together, we eat at the Lord's table. But you can't partake here and then partake at the table of demons. So we need to make sure that out of all of this, we are overestimating God and underestimating ourselves. What are the disciplines in my life that I need to do? And that's something that we need to check within ourselves. What do I need to do to make sure that I'm just walking in line with God? See, I want to walk worthy of my calling. I'm not going to walk so I will be worthy. I walk because God has already made me worthy. I just got to walk in line with it. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hey, I have desires, fleshly desires. But man, I have to put that, as Paul said, into subjection, just like an athlete would. We are not running for a, 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 a crown that will perish. Guys, you know what we're running for? So that when we see Jesus face to face, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to get up to heaven and be like, hey, I'm here. He's like, all right, well, go ahead, come on in. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's go ahead, let's stand up and pray. God, thank you for your word, Lord, that disciplines us, that helps us to recognize the areas in our life, Lord, that maybe we're laxed in, the areas where we've just kind of fallen asleep a little bit. Lord, thank you that you uh, have given us truth that we can stand on, and that's all we have to look to. Father, we don't have to come up with things ourselves. Lord, we just need to look to you. And God, I pray that you would help us, Lord. There's, there's, there's a life that we have lived outside of you. And there's tendencies that we have because we have been partakers of those things. And when we surrender our life to you, God, we ask that you would give us the desires of you and to give us an appetite for you and not for those things that we used to enjoy. Like the Israelites used to enjoy the things that they had while they were in Egypt. God, we don't want to be those people. 
So I pray that you would equip us, you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, so we can run this race well. And Lord, and along the way that we can help our brothers and sisters to just be focused on you. It's amazing that we have the opportunity to pray right now, Lord, to think that you spoke this whole world in existence and we're just asking you to help us. Lord, you're more than capable and willing to help us. Father, I pray if there's anybody in here, Lord, that doesn't have a relationship with you, has been kind of walking, um, not really following after you, not committed, not surrendered to you, I pray that today, Lord, that you would give them the opportunity. Right now, as we're praying, that they would just cry out to you and say, Lord Jesus, please, fill me with you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so that I can walk after you and follow after you so that I can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for taking away our guilt, our shame. Thank you, Lord, that we are no longer slaves to fear, no longer slaves to this world. But God, we are your servants. We are slaves for you and for all that you have done for us. We praise you. We thank you. We pray these things in the mighty name of our victorious Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.